Welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and founder of PCOS Diva. My mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. Today's PCOS Diva podcast is sponsored by the seven-day Discover Your PCOS Diva Jumpstart program. Jumpstart is the place to begin when you're ready to commit to yourself and jump into your healing journey. Learn step-by-step how diet, lifestyle, and mindset changes can get you on the right path. You'll be thrilled to feel your energy return, brain fog lift, acne begin to clear, and so much more. Visit PCOSDiva.com slash jumpstart for more information and to get started today. If you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com. There I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a PCOS diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram as well. I discovered our next guest when I was uh, searching for ways to manage my PCOS naturally. And she was one of the, the few that were really talking about botanical medicine and natural medicine for women. So I am just thrilled to welcome Dr. Aviva Rome onto today's PCOS Diva podcast. Amy, thank you for having me. I've, I've just been so in awe of, of your commitment to helping women get PCOS information over the years. So just a delight to be here with you and have this conversation today. Well, I'm excited to talk about your new book, and I just want to, if uh, you haven't heard of Dr. Viva Rome, you're going to want to find out more about her, and she is a medical doctor. She's a Yale School of Medicine trained, board certified family physician, uh, but what I think makes her unique is she also has a specialty in women's health and obstetrics, and she's a midwife and an herbalist. I don't think you find too many <laughs> ladies out there that have all of that background. She's one of the nation's leaders in the field of botanical medicine. She's the author of eight books on natural medicine. And I just finished her upcoming book, Hormone Intelligence, The Complete Guide to Calming Hormone Chaos and Restoring Your Body's Natural blueprint for well-being. It highlights that it's time for a major paradigm shift in medical mistreatment of women, giving women the tools and the information to move away from dismissive attitudes, which ladies listening, you know all too well about those uh, pills for every ill and surgery as the first and only treatment options. The book is for all women who want to understand and feel empowered about their bodies hormones and cycles. So just thrilled to have you here to talk about, um, about PCOS and, and healing, um, and your new book. Thank you, Amy. So when I was reading it, the first thing that I highlight, I'm a big highlighter person. Um, I should have stock in a highlighter company. I, I know. So the first, so I was going back and looking at my, my notes and I noticed the first thing that I highlighted was this quote that I'm going to read. What's truly frightening is how often we've pushed to rely on drugs and surgery for problems that can be resolved with dietary changes, 
mind-body support and natural medicines, including targeted nutrients and herbs, but medications and surgeries have unintended side effects that women may have to live with for decades. We've been over-medicalized at our own expense, our natural cycles pathologized from puberty through menopause. Wow, that really hit home. <laughs> Did it? Did you yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so true. And then, um, the other th real, uh, you know, I, I shouldn't be so surprised at this statistic, uh, but it was the first time I've seen it written down that 50% of all birth control pills are not prescribed for contraception, but for menstrual pain and problems as a first line option. Yeah. You know, I am not opposed to, uh, oral contraceptive or, you know, hormonal therapy as it really is, because you're not always using it for contraception. Um, in fact, one of my patients early on in the pandemic, a young woman, she had gained a lot of weight. She was having a lot of hair in unwanted places. She was having some female hair pattern hair loss. And um, her dad had had a stroke at the beginning of COVID. And so like on top of the fact that it was COVID, she was now having to move back home but she didn't want to live with her parents because um, she didn't want to expose them. And so she stayed in an apartment with three other girlfriends that she had had. And she said, you know, Dr. Viva, I just, I can't follow a PCOS diet. I mean, it's, we're having pizza all the time, takeout all the time. I'm under so much stress. You know, we're, I, I'd like to cut back on alcohol, but like living with four girls, you know, four of us together, it's like, it's not happening. And we're having the red wine, we're having the drinks. And she's like, I just feel like I really need to go on birth control because the acne was just yeah. affecting her and the hair loss it was all really affecting. I was like, well, you know, you're making an informed consent decision and you're making a decision for a very specific reason. So I really supported her in doing that. And she went on a, um, low dose progesterone like low conversions to testosterone and it really helped her acne and you know like if you're struggling with cystic severe acne like that it can be so um life altering in such a horrible way right your self-esteem going out mm -hmm. so i'm not opposed to using a pharmaceutical when it's needed whether it's metformin spironolactone mm -hmm. but i feel like those should not ever 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 be the first resort and mm -hmm. when we think about like, well, what's really going on in the body, those things aren't solving the problem. They're kind of suppressing the symptoms and suppressing maybe the, the underlying imbalances. And I can't tell you, I couldn't even count, I couldn't even count how many women over the years and then add to it how many write to me on Instagram or in my email inbox, I mean, thousands who went on a birth control pill when they were like 14 or 15 or 16 for acne, weight gain, depression, really irregular periods, like all the hallmark symptoms we see with PCOS. Nobody ever breathed a word of PCOS, or if they did, it was rare. Put on a birth control pill. And now they're coming to me in their early 30s, have come off the pill, want to get pregnant. And all the symptoms are right back there. On top of it, they're struggling with now a fertility problem. So I feel like the medications have a place but we're missing a really big picture thing, which is we have to look at what are the root causes and why are they happening? And I can tell you, I mean, seven years of medical training, right? Four years of med school, three years of residency, five of them at Yale, two of them at a university, Tufts, which prides itself on nutrition, like training and never once a word about 
well, barely ever a word about polycystic ovary syndrome, barely ever. I mean, I, if I heard a word about it, I can barely recall it. And certainly nothing ever on um, anything but like, you know, if you see uh, high blood sugar or insulin resistance, you go right to the metformin or right to another pharmaceutical. If you see any hormone imbalances, it's just, it's not even a question. You just go right to a birth control pill. It's not a matter of whether, it's a matter of just which one, like which of the choices you're going to put someone on. It's really upsetting. And then there's no recognition or discussion about the fact that, you know, we need to be looking at depression and sleep apnea and things that put people with PCOS at really serious potential lifelong risk. None of that's discussed at all. Mm. The other thing that you brought up in your chapter about PCOS um, was eating disorders and binge eating. Um, and it, that was something that I struggled with in my early, like my late teens, early twenties. I didn't have the PCOS diagnosis. I honestly thought I was going crazy. I remember um, buying all the Janine Roth books and hiding them between my mattress because I didn't want my mom to know. I felt so ashamed. I didn't want her to know that I had this problem with this like compulsive eating. And you know, now I can look back and see it was this, you know, unregulated blood sugar and hypoglycemia um, that was really drive at the root cause driving a lot of that. But it's not something that um, I think doctors ever really consider um, when it comes to peace. Well, I think it's becoming talked about more, but I was so glad to see that you mentioned it in your book as, an, as a symptom, a sign of PCOS. Thank you for that. I mean, um, first of all, like I really just want to honor, you know, you saying, you know, how much shame you live with because binge eating disorder is so many women live with shame and this just in, inability to control that compulsion. And it's so painful. And we know that, you know, I think on average, it's something like the average human being thinks about food four times a day, 400 times a day, but the average person with an eating disorder thinks about food two to 4,000 times a day. Mm. And to be driven by that, like truly driven to distraction and not able to focus on the other important things in your life. Um, not to mention the physical risks that, you know, if, you, if one does um, purge that that can cause too. Um, and I think for so long, I mean, I still see this all the time, um, there's a lot of fat shaming around PCOS because there's this big association with PCOS and being overweight, which we know is not always the case. In fact, half the time isn't the case. Um, and um, with that fat shaming comes this idea that somehow women who are overweight, if they were just sort of like control their eating fat. I had a patient with Hashimoto's who had gained a lot of weight before she became my patient. And her doctor actually told her if she had just, if she would just control her fork to mouth problem, she'd probably lose the weight. And it was before she had a Hashimoto's diagnosis, which she got when mm -hmm. she me. Um, and we see that same thing, I, th I think with PCOS, right? The standard recommendation, and I've been guilty of this because you know, 15, 20 years ago, the standard recommendation was the first thing to do is to try to lose weight because we saw it as a condition of overweight rather than overweight being a symptom of the disruption happening in PCOS. It's not, it's that you have an eating disorder and, and you're overweight and you're binging and therefore you get PCOS. It's the PCOS that causes, as you said, the disruption, the blood sugar disruption, but also those changes that happen in your brain where your satiety signals get overridden and your hunger signals are offline. And so you really don't have um, 
the full ability to control that craving or that binging until you start to get a control, you know, a handle on the, on some of the underlying factors. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing that I wrote down in my notes that I really wanted you to, to chat with us about is learning how to advocate for ourselves when we're just super frustrated. We've sort of hit a wall at the doctor's office where um, the, the first line therapy is the pharmaceuticals. And, and like you said, there is a, a, a time and place. Absolutely. But, um, you know, if, if that's all the information that we're getting, how can we, as you state in your book, how can we get the medical care that we need? And I love this and deserve, um, because we need to know that we are deserving of, of good, solid root factor, you know, getting to the root cause medical care. Yeah. Um, you know, I can say this, I, I could have said this as a midwife before I was a physician, but it's, I think almost easier to say as a physician that, uh, and, 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 and be heard for it is that um, we're mostly not taught good listening skills. We're mostly taught to get to the diagnosis, give the prescription and get the patient out of the room and get the next patient in or get the patient out of the hospital bed and get the next patient in. I mean, to the point that when I was in my medical training, there was such a huge incentive to get patients out of the hospital bed by 10 o'clock in the morning so that bed could be filled by 11 o'clock in the morning that we were actually given financial rewards. It was ridiculous. We were given these two bucks things, but when you're in residency or medical training, the two bucks is nice for a coffee. So we would give it, we were each given like a little two bucks card to go um, for the cafe. And you could accumulate a lot of those in the course of a week. You know, you're discharging six, eight patients a day. You can only use them in the cafe, but you know, you're on long shifts, those, those have currency. But the, but the point was that we were actually financially incentivized to, you know, move patients on. And um, when it comes to PCOS and women um, and doctors, there are some really interesting and unique confounding factors. One is that a lot of the symptoms of PCOS, while they don't seem vague to you and they don't seem vague to me and they don't seem vague to someone who has PCOS or knows something about PCOS, to the average physician who's not looking out for it, including gynecologists, but especially if you go to your internist or your primary care doc who may know almost nothing about it, they're gonna see, oh, weight, oh, hair loss, oh, acne, and they're gonna prescribe you with uh, you know, a, an antibiotic for your acne, or if it's really bad, maybe they'll put you on Accutane, they'll give you a birth control pill, um, maybe they'll talk to you about Rogaine for your hair loss or, or, or worse, they'll just tell you it's stress. Well, I don't know which is worse, getting a medication you don't need or just being told it's stress. Maybe the medication is worse. So they don't know, you know the diagnosis. They've got on average 15 minutes for an entire appointment with you in which, in which time they are legally obligated to check off all these boxes, which may have nothing to do with what's on your mind. And then because these symptoms are women's symptoms, if you will, or female body symptoms, um, those are often the most commonly dismissed symptoms. And sometimes it's not the obvious PCOS symptoms. Sometimes it could be you're, you're kind of depressed and you're not sleeping well and you have binge eating disorder and that's it. Or maybe you have that and you're a little overweight and your periods are a little bit irregular, but nothing to write home to mom about. And so you're kind of like, oh, well, maybe she is just depressed, let's give her an antidepressant or maybe we'll just tell her it's just stress or to exercise more or eat a little better. Um, and so I think 
if you don't know what's wrong with you, or I don't want to say wrong with you, PCOS isn't something wrong with you, but if, if you don't know what's going on and your doctor hasn't got a clue, you can, you can leave thinking, maybe there isn't anything wrong with me. Maybe it is just stress. Maybe I do need the antidepressant. So just taking that for an answer isn't going to solve your problems usually. And if you do know you have PCOS and your doctors, you go into your doctor, right? And you're like, I read about this on the internet. I, I can guarantee you half of all women are going to say that to their doctor and their doctor is, is either going to think or actually say, where did you get your medical degree, Dr. Google? And so at some point we have to just stop caring about being polite and advocate for ourselves and say, mm -hmm. look, I mean, and I will say most physicians are trained to treat patients, particularly women patients as difficult. I'm doing air quotes here because you guys can't see me, Amy can see me, but I'm doing air quotes. So the difficult patient or the patient that, get, that gets the eye roll. And statistically, the more doctors you go to having not gotten an answer at the previous doctor, the more the next doctor is going to say, oh, she's been to three doctors. She's been to four doctors. She must be one of those patients, which means like it's really psychiatric. It's not actually physical. So, and the more aggressive you get, the more likely you're be treat able, then you're really treated as a difficult or aggressive patient. So then it comes down to getting a little bit savvy and realizing that you have to work with the energy of who you're with. Like you have to know who you're up against. <laughs> and so sadly, meeting your doctor halfway emotionally or managing your doctor's behaviors and emotions, which should not be your job, becomes part of your job. So instead of being like, hey, I'm in here for my PCOS, I expect you to do this and this, it's probably not going to get you too far. And so it's more like, I know you really are concerned about me and I know you really care and I know you think this is just stress, but I can actually tell you and show you that like, I did not weigh this much three months ago or six months ago or, your, or when I was a teenager, this, these symptoms started. Or yes, I actually have been struggling with acne and a fertility problem. Um, and really, you know, one of the things that I really encourage people to do is go in with a script ahead of time. Like actually write down what your concerns are, what your symptoms are. And don't feel embarrassed. If you have to sit there, you can say to this, say to your pre, your provider, look, I'm going to stick with my notes because there's some things that I really want to make sure we get to. And this is very emotional for me. So I'm going to go point by point. That can be really helpful. Um, having an advocate with you is really helpful. Um, you know, there's a huge amount of disparity in the doctor's office. So one thing right away when you go into your medical appointment and they tell you to put on that Johnny where you're, you know, you're, you're after <laughs> flapping in the wind, don't do it. Keep your clothes on, have the conversation first. And then if there's a need for a physical exam, a pap, a pelvic, whatever, then have it after like, okay, I'll get undressed now because there is no way it's very, I would say there's no, it's very difficult to get your needs met and advocate for yourself as an adult human being when the other person is in a suit or jacket or white, you know, or like buttoned up dress, maybe if it's a male has a tie, a white coat, a stethoscope, there's so many power differentials and you're already feeling vulnerable. So keep your clothes on for the conversation, physical exam after, bring your list of what you need to bring with you to, that you really need to communicate. If you have been charting your symptoms, that's a great thing to me. If you've been charting your menstrual cycles, if you've been charting, your acne, if you've been, you know, keeping a record of your, of that you like, oh, I've, I've really been binge eating. 
and bring that with you. And then again, an advocate. And the person I recommend to bring as an advocate isn't necessarily your mother because your mother's off, especially if she's a certain age, she's gonna be like, oh, listen to the doctor, honey. Or if she's my mother, she might not say that, but my mom's like this kick-ass feminist. She might not say that, but she might. Um, so bring, and, and not necessarily a male partner. If your male partner is someone who will easily advocate with you or for you, great. But if it's a male doctor, then they can do the bro bonding and you can still not be listened to. So someone who's like a really good friend that you really trust, who's not a wallflower, but who's really gonna say, you know, elbow you and be like, Amy, Aviva, you came here to say something. Um, really, really helpful too. The one other thing is, I would say is, um, if you can, don't set up your appointment to talk about your symptoms or your concerns when you're also going in for your flu shot or your COVID vaccine or your annual PAP. Actually try to schedule an appointment just to focus on that so that your concerns don't get marginalized. Um, so those are some of the things. And again, that, you know, it's, it's rough, but that managing, reading, reading the audience is what I tell my patients, you know, read your audience and then if you can't get what you need from the physician you're with, either you're not getting heard, you're not getting a diagnosis. We're not talking about like, you know, a hangnail here. We're actually talking about a condition that can cause sleep apnea, that can cause severe depression, that can cause long-term consequences of diabetes, that can affect your pregnancies, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really important to advocate for yourself. Learning to do that as women when we're taught to not make waves already is so hard. And then doing it in an environment that's set up to get you in and out and quash you is really tough, but you can do it. Something that I've found to be really helpful over the years is you had mentioned kind of bringing in the data, um, having your cycles charted. And now, I mean, there's, I, I was bringing in like the Crichton model, like, forms with the baby stickers. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm old, <laughs> but now there's such great technology. I know the, the OvuSense monitor is one that I like, um, and you can have all the data on your phone and you can see if you're having like a long, um, luteal phase of your cycle and the doctor can actually see that, you cool. know, so it, that's great info. Um, and the other thing I'm, I'm curious what you think about this. I, I used to go, on PubMed and pull off studies like, oh, apple cider vinegar helps with blood sugar control. And I would bring, you know, just bring the studies in because I felt like if I could speak the doctor's language, which is studies, then maybe I could get through to them better. Definitely. I always say to my patients, look, here are three references that you can bring in if you're going to, because my practice now is much more like um, consultative. I mean, I, I do primary care, but people are consulting me from all over the country and all over the world and it's telemedicine. So they often have a local physician that they're going back to for something. And they're like, or if it's just somebody, you know, reaching out to me online and asking me like, have a few studies or like for my books, for example, I put all the references online, like everything is there online. So you can always access the references, find the ones that are relevant, it can be really, really helpful. But, you know, you do run the risk, even when you do that, of ruffling feathers. So, again, it's about reading the audience, but definitely go in prepared for having those references. 
And, um, you know, go in educated, right? So if you think you have PCOS, but you haven't gotten a diagnosis, know what criteria that you meet. Mm -hmm. Say, okay, like I do have hair loss. Um, you know, here's a picture of me five years ago. Here's a picture of me now. And, mm -hmm. and it may not be that perceptible. So you, you should be heard and believed if you say you have hair loss, you know, mm -hmm. talk about your acne, talk about where your unwanted hairs are, talk about what your cycle length is. And they might, they just really might not be knowledgeable. That may be part of the problem. They don't know what to look for. And, you know, I think a lot of doctors still think, oh, polycystic ovary syndrome, let me get order an ultrasound. And if she doesn't have a string of pearls on her ovaries, she doesn't have it. But we know that that's, it's just, it's not, it's an unfortunate name for the, it's right, right. an unfortunate condition name. And, and there's so many great resources out there to educate yourself. When I was starting out, I think the only book out there was Dr. Samuel Thatcher's PCOS book that was written for clinicians. <laughs> um, but now we have great books like your book, The Hormone Intelligence. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, there's so many places out there that you can educate yourself. So, um, so please do that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about, which I loved how you, you framed this section of your book, because I really feel the same way that when, when we're experiencing symptoms from PCOS, it is a sign it, it's, you call it vital signs, offering you powerful information that act as a compass. It's a complete inner guidance system. And as such, something, sometimes a warning system too, alerting you that when you're not getting what you need for your hormone health, um, which also means your best total health, it really, I always have viewed it as, as signs and symptoms that there's something off balance, you know, in your body, but also could be in your, your life um, that sort of manifests itself as a bodily symptom. Um, so, you know, kind of, you know, taking that mind, body, spirit approach is so important, which I know that you, um, is it's integral to your work. Um, and also stepping out of blaming ourselves, right? Like we've been some, it's like, I jokingly call it blaming the messenger because hormones are chemical messengers. And so we think that we have PCOS and we're broken or there's something wrong with us. And um, but, but there isn't actually, it's, it, I think it was, um, uh, who is it? Is it Karl Marx? Somebody said insanity is a sane response to an insane situation. <laughs> and like PCOS is a sane body response to an insane environment. I mean, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just that you happen to be genetically hardwired or you have a setup to respond to the fact that maybe you had eight courses of antibiotics when you were four or that your mom but, you know, was exposed to endocrine disruptors her, her whole pregnancy or what, you know, the standard American diet that you ate until you were 16 or 20 or 30 before you knew. And there are all these factors that contribute to, and, and then all the things we don't know, like why didn't women have PCOS like this 30 and 40 and 50 years ago? So to me, it's a lot about looking at these deeper factors, but I think in doing that, it also is about not blaming yourself if something's going on. It's just more like, okay, we don't really fully know what causes PCF, PCOS. We just don't exactly know. We know that there may be things that happened, like if our moms had insulin resistance in pregnancy when they were pregnant with us, maybe that affects our ovarian formation in some way and our, or follicular formation or hormone setup. 
our inflammatory state, maybe that's it. Maybe then, you know, as the average American kid does, you get 20 rounds of antibiotics by the time you're 18 years old. And that's disrupted your microbiome. And we know that there's some connection between PCOS and the microbiome. Um, maybe you had, you know, some major stressors going on in your life that affected your cortisol, that affected your insulin regulation. Like there's a million things that we don't know and there are a handful of things that we do know. And so I feel like if we can address the things that we do know, that's, that's where we can start to step away from just sort of the pill for every ill mm -hmm. approach, but also we can start to see that what our body is doing is really giving us a warning signal. It's like the canary, mm -hmm. our hormones make us kind of as women, the canaries in the environmental coal mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, th those are all great points. Um, you before, before we got on the call, I had a, a coaching call with um, a young woman and in our conversation, she sort of came to this epiphany that PCOS has been a blessing for her because she's really started to learn how to take good care of herself. That's going to help over the long haul. And I, you know, part of this journey is getting in touch with yourself and you call it the inner guidance system. Um, you, you refer to it as your wise woman, which I love. Um, it, you, you say that the wise woman is the guardian of your personal ecosystems, that we each have our own alive and waiting us, waiting for us to hear her call to rekindle that flame of connection. Um, which that is such a great way to look at this journey of healing is kind of just getting reconnected with that wise woman. Um, you know, our bodies, you kind of innately know what we need to bring them back in balance if we just listen. Um, and I would love for you to share with our listeners how we can tap into that wise woman in each of us. I would love that. Um, you know, to speak to the client that you consulted with, when I was writing the book, I, I initially had a little like paragraph talking about how PCOS, endometriosis, but especially PCOS in a lot of ways, but a lot of these conditions force women to eat better, sleep better, actually honor taking care of ourselves. And then I took it out because I thought, well, that's really unfair of me. I don't have PCOS. I don't have endo. I don't struggle with my fertility, right? So for me to say that there's a silver lining is very unfair. But the reality is, is that at least one in three Americans is going to end up with diabetes at some point in their life. Half of all women are going to end up with a hysterectomy over the age of 60. I mean, the statistics are really staggering on the amount of blood pressure, cholesterol medication, um, mood medication. And it's almost like with PCOS, you're getting like, the, the warning sign that, whoa, this could happen to me, but you might be getting it in your twenties or thirties. And if you can learn those things, then you may actually prevent those other things that are almost, you know, course du jour in our culture. As far as listening to our inner wise woman, I feel that um, for me, it's a matter of one, just sort of remembering to do it. So I have little touch points around my house, you know, like a little, um, a little statue of a, of a green Tara goddess or a little, um, you know, just like a feminine shaped vase or things that I brought in from nature. I'm a real nature, like I have little like pebbles and stones and feathers and different things. For me, it's, 
it's making my space that touch point or a lot of my art is, you know, very feminine um, depictions. And um, so for me, it's that touch point of seeing externally that reflection that reminds me to tap into my own inner wise woman. I think the other thing for me personally is it's so easy to get sucked into doubt, right? And that doubt, if you have PCOS, maybe, am I going to have to live like this always? Am I ever going to feel better? Am I ever going to be able to get pregnant? The answer to all this is yes. And, um, you know, is, am I always going to live with this horrible acne? Am I going to lose all my hair? All the doubts that we can be plagued by. For me, the doubts show up in other ways in my life. Um, and when we have those doubts, how can we quiet that noise and tap back into a kinder voice. And to me, that's what my inner wise woman is. You know, it's the voice of how my grandmother would talk to me, mm-hmm. how my best friend would talk to me. And then the other part of the inner wise woman for me is truly trusting my gut. And I, I will honestly say, I cannot think of a time in my life where I trusted my instincts and I was sorry for it. I can only think of times where I overrode my instincts and then was like, ugh, why did I do that again? I, should, I knew this. And so, you know, if it's, if it's your instinct about, I'm not sure I have PCOS, but I think I do. Um, and your gut is telling you to pursue that diagnosis. Don't, don't let anyone stand in your way. And if, if you start to feel small, then I think of my inner wise woman sometimes. Do you know how Beyonce, she had, I don't know if she still uses this, but she had this um, kind of like alter ego, Sasha Fierce. So she said when she was first starting out, it was very hard for her to do some of the like the more sexualized and also the more bold things that she did. Cause she's kind of more like a polite, you know, contained person and quiet person in some ways, I think. And so she would channel this character she created, Sasha Fierce. And so sometimes your wise woman shows up that way. You know, it's that voice of like advocacy of power of deep self-protection. Um, but there's a real power. Like I think of that voice as almost like that volcano that isn't harnessed and does erupt if it needs to. Um, we, can, we can really hold our power down that way. And I don't think it serves us. Sometimes it may, but sometimes we need to go there. So for me, that's another aspect of my inner wise woman. Some of the things in addition, journaling can really help. Um, I will sometimes write to myself as if I'm, I'm my inner wise woman writing to me. And then I find visualization, like inner journeying, really, really helpful. So I have this visualization sentence when I'm teaching, I walk women through, and you can kind of just imagine this and do it yourself, but, you know, lay down somewhere or sit down somewhere really comfortable, feel yourself very grounded, um, you know, on the earth or on the chair you're sitting on, do some deep breaths. And then I allow myself to go in to a journey. And I imagine myself actually, um, my womb is like, um, like I'm walking into the forest and then my womb is kind of like I'm sitting beside a lake. And then I like, I'm imagining like I'm in my, in my belly or down centered in my womb. And then I look into the lake and I see this beautiful wise woman reflected back to me. And I ask her, oh, wow. oh yeah. And I ask her what I need to know. And then I, I listen and I'll have women do that. Um, and then journal what they heard and then come back through the journey. So it's a beautiful guided visualization to do. I, I, you know, so many um, of us are like filled with sort of anxiety and sort of this spiraling, I don't know, Vata energy that 
Um, yeah. And, and things like visualizations like that are, are so grounding and so needed. Um, I love that. It's so funny that you say that I'm, I'm a Gemini and I'm very Vata. So I'm so air. And so it's very easy for me to get in my head. And so like, I don't get depressed. I'll get anxious about something. My, my mind will get spinny about something. And then I have yeah. to anchor back down. I find that feeling my feet on the ground and coming back into my belly, usually just like some soft belly breathing really helps. And that's when I kind of feel more, most aligned with that sense of that. I am my own inner wise woman. Yeah. We probably should explain what Vata is. Do you want to, do you want to? Oh, yeah. So in, in Ayurvedic medicine, which is thousands of year old traditional medicine that comes from India, um, we're divided into these th things called the doshas and the doshas are a lot of traditional, all traditional medicine systems anchor people's um, constitutions, their bodies, their energy, their moods into natural elements. And in Ayurveda, the doshas are three natural elements. They're kapha, pitta, and vata. And kapha is very moist, damp. Um, think of kapha as like rice pudding in a way, if it were a food, um, or a person who's more soft and um, physically often more soft, more slow and methodical. And it can be in a very good way, maybe a little more um, prone to depression if they're gonna have um, kind of a mood. Um, Pitta is very fiery. So think of pitta as like, if it were a food, it would be like jalapeno peppers. Um, very, uh, can be very uh, more eruptive emotionally, but also quick and um, you know, warm physically, but often is described as very robust physically. And then vata, um, people are, and this is, there can be lots of combinations, often more thin or wiry or slim, but, but very like prone to be talkative and um, lots of lots of thought processes going like vata is feeling pitta is more action and vata is more like thinking mm -hmm. and so people with vata can easily a lot excess vata can easily overthink and also spin out with anxious <laughs> anxious thoughts yeah that the girl that i was just speaking with where she was clearly vata as well and if this is something that interests you i have a couple articles that i've written i'll we'll post in the show notes um if you want to learn more about your ayurvedic dosha um but so your book, I just want to kind of go back to um, some of the things that I really liked that we don't have time to talk about today, but you have um, a great uh, chapter about circadian cycles, the importance of sleep. Um, I love your approach to food. I, I think it's very similar to, to mine as well. And, and you have some beautiful recipes you know you clearly like to get I call it a, you know a diva sizzles in the kitchen you clearly enjoy sizzling in the kitchen I do I'm oh. it's my it's funny because sometimes my husband you know I'll be working on a project or editing the book or whatever it is and it's like oh, I'll make dinner he's great about that and I'm like ah oh, but that's like that's my moment of true zen it's like working in the garden for me working in the kitchen so yeah all the recipes in the book except for two are my own original recipes. And then the other two I have made, but I asked if I could use those. One is a seed bread and one is a seed cracker. Yeah, no, great, great recipes. I can't wait to get the hard copy so I could put it on my my cookbook shelf. So it's funny, some of my books go on my like office shelf. And then some of the books like nowadays have some great recipes and some of them will go on my cookbook shelf. So Same that, yeah. that's, that's where your book will go. Hey, I love that, I love that. 
nourishing. So I'm really glad. Yeah. So tell, tell listeners where um, they can find out more about your work. So my website is, I call it my home away from home. It's my home online. And if you go to avivaram.com forward slash book, just B-O-O-K, you'll get to the landing page where you can get the hormone intelligence book. You'd be, depending on when you listen to this interview, if it's before June 8th, you'll be pre-ordering it after June 8th you can actually get the physical book. Um, but if you pre-order it, there's some phenomenal gifts that come along with it. So a really beautiful um, seven day um, quick start guide, uh, depending on when you pre-order uh, through June, there'll be access to my 28 day gut reset for free, which is an amazing program for anyone, but phenomenal for women, people with PCOS, um, an audio of me reading the introduction and some other or chapter one, some other goodies over there as well. But yeah, just avivaram.com forward slash book. And then if you're over there, you can easily get to the other parts of my website and there are tons of articles in there and resources. Yeah, and, and definitely follow um, Dr. Aviva on Instagram. I, I follow her. She has some great content on there as well. Yeah, um, yeah so I try to kind of parallel what is happening on Instagram and Facebook, but something, I mean, on my website, sorry. Um, but sometimes things, do go on Instagram that are not anywhere else. So definitely follow mm -hmm. both places if you're, if you're game. And then usually um, most weeks, not every week, I do uh, an ask me anything or some kind of a live event over on Instagram these days. So that's another place to find out about that. Great. Well, thank you so much. You're a busy lady. And I, I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to, to chat with us today. I'm thrilled. I have really wanted to connect with you for so long. So this is lovely and delightful. And I'm so grateful to have you on and for you to tell folks about my book in such a kind way. So thank you and Yay. all the work you're doing. Well, thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. It's been um, a great hour and I look forward to be with you again very soon. Bye-bye. up our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on the PCOS Diva podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you liked this episode, remember to subscribe to PCOS Diva on iTunes or wherever else you may be listening to this show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes because I love to hear from you. If you think someone else might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free weekly newsletter. Just enter your email at PCOSDiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Bye-bye.